Let's go get some gumbo. Don't like gumbo. No? Why not? I worked at Popeye's Chicken and Biscuit. And oh. No, jambalaya and gumbo forever smell awful to me. That's too bad. You know, I, I, I don't really understand when people have that. Um, I had a bad experience with X, therefore X is no good. Uh, I mean, aside from my, my bad experience working at the Alphabet Store and how I hate X's now, uh, <laughs> everything else makes a Oh boy, it's the Doom to Fail podcast. My name is Tim Dobbs, and sometimes I wear glasses. And with me as ever, through this crazy doohickey we call the internet, she knits red sweaters all the time. It's Catherine Cogart. These are more true than usual. <laughs> it's good to be here. Red sweaters? I mean, is, does the color matter? Or No, color doesn't matter. Okay. How many... Uh, how many are you like maybe knitting sweaters for nephews and nieces all through Christmas or something? Because if you have to do like ten or something, I imagine you need to be doing that now in midsummer. I, I never knit for gifts. It's a rule I have. Hmm. I just own a huge amount of red sweaters now. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, that's good. Your 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 wardrobe should reflect your passion. <laughs> As regular listeners of this show know. We have a bunch of different series, and we like to tumble through the series like so many four-year-olds at tumbling class, and until we find the one we like. Yeah, tumbling class is a thing. Tumbling class. And specifically, our topic this week is U.S. cities. The heart of America's in U.S. cities. Catherine, what U.S. city are we talking about specifically this week? We're talking about Miami. Miami? Mm-hmm. Huh. That's, uh, why? Hmm. I don't know, Tim. Why don't you tell me why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so just grossed out, I, I got confused for a second. Also, I was trying to remember some of my Spanish, and, oh, surprisingly, none of it came up. <laughs> that figures. Anyway. Well, uh, basically... Here are the vital stats uh, from a demographic standpoint on Miami. There's 5.5 million people living down there. Wow. And it's the sixth largest metro in the United States. And it's, it's the, uh, the South Florida, Miami, Miami-Dade, I guess they also include Fort Lauderdale area. It's comparable to the uh, San Francisco Bay area or Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, which are areas at least I think of as pretty big. You know, if I was going to name big U.S. cities, I'd, you know... Chicago, New York, L.A., and then, yeah, yeah. sort of San Francisco Bay, Dallas-Fort Worth. That's kind of what, you know, the second tier. I think they're both considered beta world cities. And I believe uh, Miami is as well. Hmm. Yeah. Although I saw a conflicting report that had it as an alpha world city, but... Oh, wow. You know, I, I don't want to be the sort of person who sits around here arguing whether something is a beta or alpha world city. Considering that most people don't know what that means, Yes. It's a it's a mark of internationalness, if I'm not mistaken, right? It, it has something to right. do with that's how yeah. I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I guess it's just a lot of people. Like it's it's the biggest city in the southeast United States. It's it's a major population center. Um, so we should, you know kind of important. I don't want to blow off these six million people or so. So maybe, 
Maybe you can tell me, since we're not going to blow off these people. Where, where is this place, this thing? I, I, uh. Well, it's actually uh, all the way down, just at the very tip of Florida. Tip of the boot. <laughs> is that a common comparison for for Florida, a boot? I, I don't talk about Florida in my day-to-day, so I'm not the person to ask that question. I was going to say, you wear pretty funny shoes, but... <laughs> It's just kind of a point. You have to, you know, just jam your foot in there. <laughs> I don't know if you wear shoes too <laughs> from this conversation. Uh, try not to. Let me, let me, you know, try to pitch this to you, I guess. So okay. why, why, this is pretty far away. Right. Certainly for you, it might be the opposite side of uh, the, the country. It is, from in Seattle. fact, the opposite side of the country, yes. Yeah, why as can't... long as you're not going to Alaska. So why would you go down there? Why would you make that huge long trip? Well, the weather's pretty good you're 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 hanging out there in your your rainy seattle it is raining drinking coffee right talking to fraser and <laughs> it's all we do in, here yep in miami there's a uh, hot rainy summers but it's not seattle rain where you know the the ra- clouds roll in and it trickles all day and blah 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 it's more like it's 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 hot and humid and then like bits of rain just pop up for a little bit Sounds nice. Well, the real key here, too, is that they have these warm, dry winters. Ooh. Yeah, right? Sunny, warm, no rain to be seen all winter. Sounds nice. Yeah, and so I have this quote here from Rachel Goodrich, who is a Miami musician. I found her through a New York Times article. And she just said in that article, she said, I love being here. It feels so free outside. I don't have to put on a million things to get around. I enjoy the blue sky and the rain. I go to the beach. The colors here are amazing. And so, yeah, why not? Let's just go hang out. We'll, uh, you know, I'll wear a, a, a button-up shirt with palm trees on it or something, and we'll go walk around in flip-flops. And sit pina coladas. And getting caught in the rain. Yeah, I guess, see, that makes sense, too, because yeah. you would just get caught in the rain. It's true. Other things you can do in Miami with, with this beautiful weather is, well, you just take a lounge on the beach, or you can go on a cruise. In fact... Miami is the largest cruise port in the world. Yes. There's the uh, the Wikipedia page for it has a picture of the skyline. And included in the skyline are sort of the tops of cruise ships. Because, you know, they're huge. And so it's like <laughs> actually part of the skyline. There's like eight cruise ships all lined up. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I really like that because it makes the Miami skyline kind of dynamic. Yeah, it changes. Yeah, and we'll whereas talk. I guess skylines are supposed to be the one static thing about a city, or relatively static thing about a city. Yeah, but it does have this sort of coming and going feel to it, for mm-hmm. sure. But maybe, maybe it's the evening, you can hit the clubs. The nights, <laughs> this is this is the best quote, I was, I'm, I'm reading this blog called um, South Florida for Beginners. Guy moved to South Florida, started writing a blog about it, <laughs> and he wrote that the nights feel sexy and sensuous. And I was like, yes. Who is this guy? Uh, some guy. I don't some know. Some guy. All righty. All righty. So, yeah. It's, you know, again, this, the weather's gorgeous. It's, it's perfect for, for hanging out on the beach, going on cruises. And then at nights, it's still a little humid. And you have that sexy, sensuous uh, dance club feel. I'm rolling my eyes right now. Yes. Uh-huh. 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 So, normally, we start these, these sort of things with a little talk about geography. And we said where it was, but... Beyond that, we haven't really talked about anything, and that's because it's it's just a flat thing. And I don't think the geography is what's important. It's not that, oh, well, we're up against these mountains, or we're you know on this river, although it is on a river. 
the really important thing is that the economy is driven by the weather in Miami. The weather is really what matters, not the actual geography. Right, right. Okay, and now seems like a good time for a break. Be right back on the Doom to Fail podcast. So, this, you know, we, we've been talking about what you could do, Catherine, mm-hmm. <laughs> hanging out there on uh, Sexy Sensuous Nights. And, but the thing is that the weather driving the economy actually is true going all the way back to the founding. Really? Yeah. So, let me take you back. Okay. Okay. It's the late 1800s, mm-hmm. and Florida is pretty rural. Okay. It's, it's, it's a U.S. state by now, and all that stuff. People have kind of moved in. I think there was probably a homesteader act or something like that, and people got land. And in South Florida, which is a real trip from North Florida, in South Florida, it's even more rural because there's not a lot of access down there. It's just tough to get down there. It gets kind of swampy, too, towards sure. the bottom. Right. And so now it's the winter of 1894 slash 95. Yeah. The winter of 1895, there was the Great Freeze. And if you know anything about Florida, you know that they grow a lot of citrus there. And citrus don't like freezing at all. And so the freeze froze and killed almost all of the crops down there. Oh, that's horrible. Not in South Florida. Because it's so far south. Right. And so they actually still had all their crops and it was great so now we got this lady and her name's julia tuttle and she's actually from ohio and she kind of liked the idea of having a city down there or having rail or having you know just she was used to more access you know ohio's sure. pretty built up by now i think she also and sees a huge business opportunity here she's a smart lady she is a shrewd negotiator well yeah exactly because so what she does there's this guy henry flagler and he's a railroad tycoon and she's been trying to convince him to build a railroad down there for a long time. And she takes the advantage of this great freeze that South Florida wasn't affected by. And she sends him an orange blossom. I really in the mail. like that. I yeah, really it's like so that. nice. That's so cool. It's probably made up. If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, it's probably made up. Aww. But, well, you I've, I've read some conflicting accounts. But, yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. so, yeah. And so it's like, seriously, check out our orange blossoms. You should build a railroad. <laughs> And so that's exactly what he did. He went, yes, orange blossoms, which smell amazing, by the way. And he builds a railroad and then also builds a resort hotel at the end of the line. Because I guess that's just what you do when you're a railroad tycoon. I think it's sort of if you build it, they will come type of thing. Yeah. So he wants people to use that line. So Makes sense. I buy it. The really cool thing about this whole story is that Miami is often publicized as the only city founded by a woman. Oh, yeah. I did, I did note that it was founded by a woman. I thought that was great. They're putting up a statue and everything. I didn't realize it was the only one. That seems... Uh... That's what I read. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's kind of one of those claims you make as a city, and you're like, well, I hope it's true. <laughs> like how every city says it has the most green space. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> Oh, we all have more green space than everyone else. (laughs) And we did it by classifying concrete as green space. (laughs) So, great. So now it's like about 1900 and 
we've got a railroad line, which in 1900 is everything. Now we can just get there. Before it was impossible. It was like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm going through the mud and swamps and a horse-drawn carriage or whatever. Um, so the railroad really does it. And so now we have commodity shipping because there's produce and such. Mm -hmm. And then there's also tourism. And so really what happens here is the weather made the railroad come because it didn't freeze. Right. And then the railroad and the weather together brought tourism and suddenly, boom, city. That's great. I like it. Then what happens? <laughs> Speaking of boom, land boom! I think this is just one of the craziest stories about how a city could form. It's so hopelessly rooted in optimism and things getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just rampant speculation. That's really so, Miami's grown fairly steadily all through 1900 up until the 20s, and now we're post-World post War I, and it's the Roaring Twenties. With me? You're picturing Great Gatsby you. yet? Yeah. Great. No, yeah. Flappers, etc. <laughs> and now people have more uh, money and leisure time, and they want to buy homes some, somewhere nice, and they don't want to just stay in a hotel. They want to buy the homes. Because look at all this money and leisure time I have. Look at me. I'm in the burgeoning American middle class. I'm in la, the nouveau la, riche. La. Yes, of course. Mm. Uh, those people. <laughs> Old money forever, right, Catherine? Uh, so so this, this actually, people start to advertise South Florida as a place to go. Because as we talked about, great weather. And one developer actually puts a giant sign in Times Square during the winter and just writes, It's June in Miami, which I really liked. Yeah. Just a big neon sign. And everyone's sitting there in New York going like, God, what am I doing here? <laughs> and and so the, the beauty that I think Florida really has going for it is that because of that railroad line, it's totally possible for those New York people to get down there. It's very far away, but it's just totally doable. And so... Now, demand for land in and near Miami goes way up because we all want houses and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So, then it starts to flip in on itself as it happens. And people start buying land just to flip the land before the payments are even due. They uh, just go, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money yeah. um, buying and selling. <laughs> the best part is when you think about how this exact thing happened also like a few years ago, also in Miami. But... <laughs> So, yeah, so they, they, they flip that and, and everything starts going crazy. Then rents skyrocket because the value of land goes up. It's, you know, it's a land bubble. It's a, right. it's a real estate bubble. Yeah. This is, you know, this happens places. Mm -hmm. And quick interruption for density sidebar. <laughs> because the land value was so much, this actually encouraged very high density building, which is not true in most 20th century cities. But in Miami, <laughs> it got really dense. There was actually a point in the 1920s, this land boom, where there were 100 skyscrapers approved for construction, which is a ton of skyscrapers, especially for 1920. Yeah, that's insane. Now, they didn't all get built because, surprise, the bubble burst eventually. <laughs> but today, there are 295 high-rises in the city, and 59 of them are greater than 400 feet, which is kind of, I guess, just the metric you use between, like, oh, it's a tall building, and, ooh, it's a skyscraper. Okay. 
So they have 59 of those. And this is way less than New York or Chicago, which are, you know, they don't even use the same metric in New York and Chicago. They actually use 600 feet to decide if something's tall or not. Okay. But every other U.S. city I looked up, it's way more. Like, Miami has probably less than half of New York or Chicago, but probably more than half of any other U.S. city. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, even even cities I thought were, you know, fairly dense and built up. I got nothing. I mean, 59 is, is quite a few. That's insane. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so all this density seems like it's worked out really well for for well for me um because i i am pretty sure my entire goal in living someplace is just to not have to get in a car very much i just like walking i don't know <laughs> that's fair and i am an urban planning prescriptivist and insist that everyone want to live in my style of living so <laughs> okay so yeah apparently it, miami has the eighth best walk score in the country for major urban centers there's a monthly bike miami event and there's all these cool transits they have Something they have the best names. They have something called a Metro Mover and something called the Tri Rail. In fact, I think the Metro Mover is actually it's like a moving sidewalk. It's just like a free thing you can get on an elevated moving sidewalk that moves oh, you all around the downtown. That sounds and awesome. It has like, I was looking at the map of it and it has multiple loops. And I was yeah. like wondering how you change loops because in my dreams, what it really is is that there's just three conveyor belts right next to each other, and you can just step from one to the other, and then they'll split at different sections and go up and down on highways. Oh, It'd be like the future, like the future, Tim, like the future. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that. It just always is the present, and I don't know how to deal with that. Okay, so sidebar over, and now it's part two of Land Boom. Which is subtitled Land Boom Crash! Oh boy. And this happens exactly how bubbles happen, but in a really fun way. Um, things really got crazy. So rents kind of started to get too crazy and public opinion started to turn. It wasn't like, you know, in Ohio you weren't going, ooh, you should really go down to, down to Miami. It's pretty nice down there. Instead it was more like... Ah, oh, Miami, I don't know. It's too crazy down there. The rents are too high. I don't know what's going on. Right. But And that's pretty usual. But then things started got extra crazy because the railroads actually couldn't handle the amount of construction materials that had to come in. Oh, wow. And all the railroad owners went, enough. That's it. We're not, we're not bringing in any more construction materials. They put an embargo on it. And the only th they refused to bring in anything except for basic needs. So fuel, food, things like that. Which that is crazy. Horrible. Why would you do that? That sounds like such a bad idea. Because <laughs> they had traffic gridlock. They couldn't, they couldn't move the trains anymore. Hmm. And so they just went, forget it. That has to be bad management. I'm sorry. But you, if you you're, think so? Yeah. I mean, if that much stuff is coming in, if you're managing your railroad correctly, you should be putting some away to build more railroads there. Well, yeah, to build more railroads, sure. But I think it's, I mean, it's, it's quite the investment to build multiple sides. And perhaps they knew, perhaps they knew that... A bubble was happening here. <laughs> they probably did. That's probably true. And so this is the turning point. So they've already got the railroads not bringing construction materials. But then it's January 10th, 1926, and one of those beautiful Miami winters. And the Prince Valdemar is a ship that's coming into port to become a floating hotel. Because why not? Let's have more decadence. <laughs> and it actually sinks in the turning pool of the... Miami Harbor, which is essentially the mouth of the harbor, and it blocks the port. So, so now nothing can get in anymore. And That's horrible. 
it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I it's too bad, but at the same time, it, it what you end up with is everything had reached this fever pitch, and suddenly there's just no more construction materials, and all these developers are sitting around going like, "Well, I feel pretty silly. <laughs> like there's just nothing to do." Right. That's so sad. And that kind of that 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 puts the nail in the coffin on the land boom, and we will be back in a moment. On the Doom to Fail podcast. I think we've covered pretty well. There's there's two important aspects to Miami's population. And on one side, I think, is people coming in from the U.S. mainland saying... Yeah, Miami. Let's let's great. Let's head down there. Right. And the other side is people coming up from uh, Latin America, from from the Caribbean, and especially from Cuba. Because right. in 1959, Fidel Castro came to power, and a bunch of middle and upper class Cubans just booked it. <laughs> so let's get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> And this had a few, just a really massive effect on culture. And two, two of my favorites are Gloria Stefan and Cubano sandwiches, which are amazing. <laughs> I mean, really, that's all I care about, actually. I would, I would go to Miami just to listen to Gloria Stefan music played in, in tourist stores and then eat Cubano sandwiches. All right. So, Catherine, I, I think while I was researching this, I kind of sold myself on Miami. I remember finishing the outline and going like, oh, I should go there. That sounds great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel the same way I feel about Minneapolis now. Like, a lot going oh, on. man, that was so much cooler than I thought. We should go. I want to go. <laughs> well, it's weird because it's kind of like the opposite, I felt like, of, of Minneapolis, which is that Minneapolis was not a boom town. You don't go just for fun, and you certainly don't go for the weather. No. Although I hear it's pleasant in the summer. So maybe you live in the summer in Minneapolis and the winter in, in Miami. Well, that might be nice. This is exactly what they want. This is, <laughs> this is why everyone does it, right? This is the why of Miami. But I just... Did you ever, did you ever watch Burn Notice, that show on USA, one of those sort of like light, fluffy, fun shows? Uh, yeah, I watched the pilot. I went in suspicious of the image that they were put, giving of Miami. I did not think, I was like, oh, come on. That's just the tourist picture. Yeah. But oh, my God. For me, it was from CSI. What I see? For me, it oh. was CSI Miami. What, what, how, does, how does it compare from um, what you've read? For, it seems, yeah, it seems about right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like, <laughs> I could just, I can picture it. It's just like. In the we're just on the beaches, hanging out on the walkable streets, warm weather. There's all these interesting cultures, people speaking all these, well, mostly Spanish. Um, <laughs> but still, my Spanish clearly needs improvement. Um. Cocktails, Cubano sandwiches, all great. And this is fun. Apparently, Miami has the fourth best buying power of any country or, or any city in the world. What What does that mean? That means that. Assuming you are employed, your 
pay has the best ratio to how much it costs to buy sort of standard things. So the way they do the test is they just sort of assemble a standard basket. You know, it's whatever. It's a loaf of bread, some milk, um, some fuel, some, you know, whatever, some clothing, all this stuff. It's really, it's kind of like a consumer price index thing. Okay. And then they compare it to the average pay rate in Miami and they, they find the ratio. And apparently Miami is doing one of the best in the world for this. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd buy that because I know um, you get paid a lot if you work in Miami simply because it's a coastal city. But I guess is that the right? price of stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I was reading a book about it. A book you'd hate, in fact. Huh. Well, I don't hate books. You wouldn't well, like What was one. the book? It was called First Job, First Paycheck. Oh, yeah. Pretty blah. Um, before we go on with this, I uh, I want to say that we might have totally got it wrong. And if you live in Miami or you lived in Miami or you know a lot about Miami because you're a Miami enthusiast and you know for a fact that CSI Miami, Miami Vice, um, what, what was yours, Tim? Burn Notice. Burn Notice are all grossly incorrect of Miami, please email us, call us, or something, doomed to fail podcast at gmail.com, because we want to know if we're wrong. Yeah, no, I, I would love to get some, some feedback on this, because it's the first city that we've done that I've never been to. I, I, I looked at it from the airport, but that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Tim, go on. <laughs> well, so... Th- this is the flip side of the coin, though. I, I was reading the Wikipedia page, actually. And I just, it, it was one of those crazy moments where Wikipedia starts arguing with itself because two editors started, like, building sentences on each other mm-hmm. and going, like, oh, but it's really like this. Oh, but it's like this. And so within a paragraph, it said, it gave this, this statistic that uh, I think Forbes backed it up for buying power, which is great, but then also... It was ranked second in the most miserable U.S. cities. So, super great, but then kind of terrible somehow? Yeah. And I think, well, I think uh, they, they called out specifically traffic, corruption, the housing crisis, and high unemployment. And so high unemployment, sure, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because that has nothing to do with your buying power if you don't have a job at all. Right. And the housing crisis... Is it's, it, it was the exact same thing. No one learned anything from the 1920s land boom. The same thing happened. Are you really mad that no one learned any from, anything from the 1920s land boom, Tim? It was interesting. A boat <laughs> sank. Okay. And then corruption is really common. And, and traffic, the thing that confused me about the traffic was I was like, no, it's eighth on walk score. It's great. Here's really what I think it is, though. Downtown Miami... And South Beach, which technically not part of Miami. It's part of the Miami Beach municipality, but whatever. We're counting it. That part is super high dense and bikeable and touristy and has the clubs and all this great stuff. I think everything else kind of is just suburbs or at least low density urban space. That's what I think. I I think there's probably a great little tiny area to live in. Maybe. I don't know. We've never been there. I spent a lot of time looking on Street View on Google Maps, though. Oh, good. Well, all right, then. Let's do it. I mean, we just did it. We should go. All Let's right. Let's go. Cool. Cool. All right, so that is the Doom Fail podcast for this week. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for next week when we introduce a brand new series. Catherine, 
Would you like to tell them about it? Yeah. It's about uh, film and how modern culture or culture of the time versus technology available to filmmakers and writers yields a genre. Right. It's, it's art, technology, and culture and how they all blend together and one feeds another. So cool. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be really good. No, I'm really excited. And you should be excited too, listener, because it's fun to be excited about things. <laughs> and until then, boy, I just hope you have the best week. It's uh, first uh, first few week, week of summer, and you should really get out there and enjoy that. All right. Till then, it's Catherine Coker over there. And Tim Dobbs over here. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 She sees what she wants to see. This episode of the Doom to Fail podcast featured music by Songo21. For more episodes of the Doom to Fail podcast, visit our website at doomtofailpodcast.blogspot.com. You may be interested to know that we also have a Facebook page that you can like and a Google Plus page that you can plus. See you soon.